Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. Coming to you again from the All Things Open event here in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm moving the massive studios today. And, uh, you know, just me for this one, um, you know, we get to, Aaron and I get a chance to go to a lot of different uh, events and meetups and so forth. And, and a couple of years ago, we were, we were sitting out, I think it was at, at Bronto Software. It was in downtown Durham. And, uh, you know, it's a typical thing. A couple of people talk. And this guy gets up to talk. And he starts talking about, yeah, we, we run, we've been, we, I do a bunch of work. I've been doing all this stuff with the Netflix OSS software. And it sort of perked our ears at the time. And so uh, glad to have Andrew Spiker on the show today um, at the time. You were working at IBM. Um, you were doing something. And at the time, I thought, well, it must be cool. IBM big enough that this guy just gets to work on this Netflix stuff, which, you know, is just kind of out there. He's, um, you have since then moved over to Netflix. You now work on the Netflix engineering team. You're part of the Netflix OSS team, part of the, you know, you're, you're the guy who makes sure that Narcos and all our other favorite shows get there on the days when they're supposed to come. So thank you for being on. Yeah, thank you. Uh, definitely. I uh, have joined the uh, cloud platform team um, at Netflix, so I focus on the runtime, um, focusing on the microservices and what powers that and um, some other aspects that we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, yeah, I kind of transitioned over to the, uh, the Netflix side after using the Netflix open source software to run uh, SaaS businesses, which many people do. I happen to be running IBM SaaS businesses. Uh, based upon the Netflix open source approach of high resiliency and scalability and those kind of things. Um, it kind of made the decision about two years ago to, instead of keep applying the technology, go and work on the technology and create the next uh, set of uh, Netflix technologies. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, so give, me, give us a little bit of background because we've all at this point heard um, about Netflix OSS. We've heard about, you know, a long time ago it felt like it was something where you weren't really sure what Netflix was doing with it. Was it a, um, we want to put a bunch of our technology out there so that if we ever want to use multiple clouds, it's kind of out there, we can help with the community? Is it driving engineering recruiting, you know, people like yourself? Is it, is it just, uh, you know, getting ideas in there? Where is sort of Netflix OSS in general? Or, or you know, how do you guys think about it? Sure. So definitely at the most important level, what uh, actually attracted to me before I joined uh, Netflix and why we do this is it allows Netflix to talk openly about their approaches to technology uh, openly through code. Um, and it allows our engineers to get feedback from a larger community than just the engineering talent within inside of uh, Netflix. Uh, you touched on another really important one, and, and we don't hide it in any way. It's definitely a recruiting thing, as you can see with my own uh, situation. Uh, I participated, I think, uh, three years ago now in the uh, Cloud Prize work and, and used it as a way to um, understand and help the open source community around Netflix. And then eventually that became a recruitment uh, tool for Netflix that made me have the greatest job uh, that I've had. Um, you know, really, when you talked about multi-cloud, that's certainly um, not a focus of what we're doing. But what it, what it shows you is, if you look at our early open source, um, we were a very early adopter of cloud. Uh, we became, I, I hope, the definition of cloud native um, and how, how you can do availability at a global scale. Um, we found very early on that the cloud wasn't there. 
right? So there was a lot of um, work we had to do on top of the cloud to make the cloud fit with the best practices that we wanted to embody in being cloud native with the availability that you expect. So you can watch your narcos whenever you want, um, and it's never down. Um, We thought that as we defined that cloud story, that we wanted to use open source as a way to guide other people to a very similar cloud adoption model. And it meant that, therefore, whether they're on Amazon or like we are and and don't plan to move anytime soon or other clouds, they would be using the cloud in the exact same ways as we would be doing. So you get a multiplication effect there on the value of the technology. And and you'll even see this. It's kind of interesting. Um, That has become almost uh, a commodity, and it's something that a lot of people do sort of the same thing in a cloud that we do um, at this point in time. You'll see some of that in some of our recent open source as well, um, not transforming the cloud and technologies around cloud, but transforming the industry we're really in. Um, You'll see that we just open sourced through Creative Commons um, some 4K videos. We also open sourced... um, uh, libraries around how you encode metadata around content. Uh, We open sourced um, uh, some ways to figure out if the quality of a video after re-encoding is as good as it possibly could be. And a lot of that open sourcing work is now us trying to guide the industry around digital uh, entertainment to go in the same direction that we're going as well to help speed up that content as it comes into our own um, channels and, and, and we're using open source to guide the industry there as well. Right. So it, it, we're seeing, you know, but way back in the day, companies that wanted to influence a market would do it, you know, and they still do through things like lobbying and, and all sorts of other, you know, sort of, uh, you're using it, doing it through software. I and mean, you guys have always said, like, everything is sort of about code. We're going to put it out there. Um, it was interesting. We were, we were talking before we, we turned the microphones on, sort of culturally, I think I had it in my mind that there was a there was the Netflix open source team, and then there was kind of the operations team, and you know we, we've all heard Adrian Cockroft's talk. You were saying like there is no difference between there is no really there is no open source team. There is the engineering team, and open source is is a byproduct. Give, give folks a sense of what that what that looks like or what that means. Sure. So unlike I think a lot of other companies out there that have a motivation to do this either from a developer relationship perspective or they're a vendor in the software space. You know, we are an entertainment company. We're yeah. doing open source to power our business, and we believe strongly in the value of open source based on us using other people's open source and the feedback that we get out of doing our own open source. So anyone that's in any part of the Netflix business that feels like they would get more value of their code being open source has that ability to go out and open source. Um, what we do a little differently is that we work really hard to distribute that responsibility across the company um, in a way that's not centralized. So uh, we've created open source shepherds in each one of the business areas that's doing open source. They can kind of speak to the value of, um, is this you know secret sauce that shouldn't be open sourced? If it's not, how do we make it as healthy as possible and, and help the help ourselves through the community as much as possible. But at the end of the day, there's no single person doing open source. There's a whole bunch of people, people in our engineering tools organization, folks like myself, people in our security organizations that help automate that um, and distribute that back out through that shepherd network into each one of the business areas. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you were, you know, you, you can see from the look on your face, you, you love doing this stuff. You've been at some other places we talked about, you know, when we first sort of met you were at IBM. What have you seen? You know, Netflix has this culture that everybody talks about. There's the famous handbook and stuff. But having been at other places, not maybe being a Silicon Valley native, like what have you sort of picked up 
that you go, boy, if I, if I could send that back to my friends in Raleigh or, or elsewhere, like that they would use in their day-to-day job, like what, what are a couple of those things? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think it would all come down to the, the tagline that's at the top of the culture document. It's not a tagline. I mean, we pretty much walk the walk in all areas of what you see in our culture. But it's really that freedom and responsibility. So as engineers, we hire um, only senior software engineers, and we expect them to come in with quite a bit of experience about you know, how to use open source, how to contribute to open source. Uh, we'll help them if they're in any way green, but we're expecting them to know that they're taking on great responsibility of working in the open source communities and using open source um, in such a way that um, you know, they're free to do what they need to do um, to get their job done. Um, I see that also in our ops culture. So you talked about, um, you know, the open source work I do versus actually my day job, which is in the um, uh, the, the cloud platform team. Mm-hmm. Um, I I sit in the team. Uh, I happen to become a manager uh, fairly recently, so I write a little less code than I used to. Um, but I really, really enjoy the fact that. Um, every bit of code that my team writes, and myself included, um, is something that we get to decide when we deploy out to our customers and we get to operate it. And if we decide it's the right thing to push out an update right now, we do that right now and we make that decision ourselves. So that amazing responsibility that is keeping the lights on um, comes with you know great freedom to make sure we know as senior engineers we're doing the right thing. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you talked about you know, so those are and, and, and those are pretty unusual things. I mean, it, just in the sense of hiring senior people, uh, that's you know, for a lot of companies, they'd love to, but maybe it's not always the right fit, economics, location, whatever. Um, but I have to imagine the the part about write your code, run the code. Uh, there's a part of that that's like you said, you're an entertainment company. You you got to wake up in the morning and go like, okay, did somebody get to see their thing? And we're going to hear about that. Um, but you're a guy with a family. Like at some point, your your family would probably like to go on vacation. That that's got to play a role in it. Just individually, you go like, I got to write good enough code that I can get away from this for a little bit or or be available. Is that uh, in your mind? Absolutely. Um, even as a manager, I've stayed on call to keep really a a pulse on what's happening, the the health of the system that we run. Um, and you know, I'm totally motivated, and and my engineers are motivated as well to make sure when they see an incident occurring, that it doesn't happen again, yeah. right? So we look at, um, we do uh, a weekly uh, handoff in our team of the pager, and part of that handoff is what are the new things that we saw this week and what are we actively doing next week to make sure they don't occur as well? So um, the goal is that you run what you operate, but it doesn't wake you up. Um, yeah. you, you take that uh, technical debt down as it relates to making sure the system is available. Yeah, so there's sort of this this bifurcated, you know, what, what, Making sure the customer experience is good down downstream, and, and then making sure your experience is good because your your quality is good. Um, let's talk about the cloud platform a little bit. Um, you know, Netflix has, has famously always run on on top of Amazon. Um, you know, you and I were talking previously. It was a, a VM based system because that's what was available or, or you know state of the art at the time. It's it's evolved to become more container centric in places. Give us a sense of what does that mean, because uh, containers are kind of hot and buzzy these days, and what does that mean? Absolutely. So really, um, you, you touched on it, and it's really important to realize. With Netflix, we already have a global-scale cloud service that's running on virtual machines and for scheduling technology, auto-scaling groups in Amazon. Um, we're also doing immutable infrastructure through baking AMIs 
all of these things are well-known practices that have been proven um, and, and are just really well-groomed. Um, where we've been looking at containers is filling in some gaps where those technologies don't um, help out as much as they possibly could. Um, that's say, eventually we may take on more responsibility, but at Netflix we take on the things that make sense in some of those gaps. So where we, where we started on containers uh, probably a little over a year ago was the underserved community of batch. Okay. So with ASGs, they're talking, uh, you typically with ASGs, auto-scaling groups, uh, you're doing services that run forever, um, and the whole goal is to just keep a certain capacity up and running um, as long as possible. Uh, with batch, you get into how do I um, make sure that this job actually completes, um, make sure that it completes reliably, um, and then even into areas of uh, stream processing where um, co-location and stream locality and those kind of things that don't exist in the uh, uh, in the service-based world. Um, basically, what we found with the batch space was people were coming, uh, trying to run batch, and there were systems out there that if you fit exactly into, uh, say, Spark, for that example, or other things, you could run it. But if you wanted just a sort of generic, hey, I want to run this job as part of this, uh, some of our upstream systems or workflow systems or um, uh, DAG graph uh, processing engines, and I just want, you know, here's the entry point that I want to run, and I want to run arbitrary code as part of that uh, workflow, there are really no systems for that at Netflix. Yeah. Um, and by adding uh, scheduling from a batch perspective and adding scheduling uh, of generic artifacts, i.e. Docker containers, it was something that really scratched an itch that uh, was, was sitting out there. Okay. Uh, you're obviously a, a technologist at heart, but, but we, we keep coming back to, you know, Netflix is, a, is an entertainment company. That world moves pretty quickly, right? You know, uh, you look at something like Twitter, I can now watch NFL games on Twitter live, and, you know, you used to think about it as just a messaging platform, and you know, who knows, Reed Hastings tomorrow may strike a deal with Major League Baseball and we'll be watching the World Series on Netflix. I mean, like, things like that could happen. How much do you guys as technologists sort of have to brainstorm, like, what could happen, you know, so that when your executives go off and maybe have lunch and sign a deal that you're like, we're at least kind of ready for that kind of, I mean, like, how, how, how do you blend that? Yeah, I mean, a really great example that kind of mixes the technology and the business aspects here is I don't think you'll see the uh, Major League Baseball anytime soon. Um, but if you if you look, one of our uh, more popular recent uh, endeavors that was a little different was uh, Chelsea Handler. Mm -hmm. um, and now instead of uh, getting content that you know goes through production and eventually shows up a few months out, um, Chelsea is doing a show every. Uh, I think she tapes it a day ahead, and it goes out every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So mm -hmm. now we have semi real time content. Um, if you think about the work that goes into taking that you know, raw stream that comes in um, and processing it out to every device, your phone, your, your, your TV, your laptop, um, low bandwidth markets, there's a lot of re-encoding of files that go on as part of that process. And you look at what would it take to you know, speed that up? Yeah. Um, in the past, we had um, a media encoding platform. Actually, I should say currently we have a media encoding platform that is based on virtual machines. So um, as that queue of work builds up, up, uh, that needs to be re-encoded, re um, it would spin up a virtual machine, it would uh, spread the chunks out of encoding, uh, probably about 30 minutes a piece. Um, 
but you had this spin up a VM that would take you know five to seven minutes, and you had a tear down of a VM that would take two minutes for a thirty minute chunking code uh, with containers. We've been working on a platform with a remediating coding engine uh, team that they can run that as pre-provisioned capacity. We can spin it up in seconds as opposed to minutes. Um, and now you, your cycle time comes down as how fast I can get that Chelsea video out to uh, our viewing population. Right, right. Um, let me come back to the, 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 the open source stuff a little bit. Um, you know, two or three years ago, I know Aaron and I sort of sat around and said, like, it does, it does a lot of powerful stuff, right? It's essentially sort of a middleware layer PaaS platform, but it does a lot of stuff. It does ops and does... And we always wondered, like, who's going to, you know, will, will anybody ever take this and commercialize it? <laughs> and we've seen little bits and pieces of it, right? We've seen some of it, like, in the spring. The spring guys have done some stuff with Circuit Breaker and some other things. But it, 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 what, what have you seen? Because you, you probably get to see a lot more. We see a little bits and pieces of where it becomes, quote, unquote, commercialized. Uh, do you see people wanting to take it wholesale to where they feel like they have similar problems? Or is, is just bits and pieces of tools the, the way it is? Or where do you see that? Yeah, so it's, it's definitely a mix. There's some people taking it wholesale, some people are taking it a little bit at a time. The best place to see this, actually, is if you go out to uh, Netflix, GitHub, uh, I.O., um, there's a Powered By section, and okay. it lists anybody that's using our open source. And if you're out there and you're using it and you want to be out there, uh, uh, shoot us an email. We'll, we'll add you. Um, but there are people using bits of it. Um, some examples of that is there are people using our big data tools. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people actually using our security tools as sort of a one-off of sort of these cloud-scale automated approaches to security um, and working with more inf- uh, ephemeral infrastructure uh, that se- existing security tools didn't cover. Um, a, a great example of that that's, uh, I guess it's getting a little less topical these days, but I think Ashley Madison used some of our uh, web crawling technology and data analysis to find some of the password dumps that were out there. Yeah. As an example of someone that just took a tiny little bit of the open source and used it very successfully. Right. Um, there are um, people that are using sort of the whole stack. Um, if you look at, actually, it was part of me, but um, IBM Watson, mm-hmm. uh, the SaaS business, was still running on a fairly large part of the stack ported over to the IBM cloud as opposed okay. to the Amazon cloud. Um, but then there are people commercializing it. You mentioned Spring. So um, Spring has now, uh, uh, I believe Pivotal has done a Spring Cloud Netflix where you can kind of use the whole stack together um, under a Cloud Foundry sort of deployment model. Yeah. Um, there are people creating consulting businesses. Kenzen Media is a company that uh, goes around and helps people stand up the entire stack, um, including the bakery and, and the CICD tools, as well as the runtime aspects of the microservices. Yeah. Um, I think uh, just recently um, we open sourced, it's, it's a little while now, Spinnaker, which is kind of our next evolution of our continuous deployment tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw a company just, I think, spun up uh, a few days back to basically embody that. Um, another company example that we've put, uh, we've written a Dynamo layer um, on top of uh, Redis and Memcache to give the Dynamo features uh, on top of non-Dynamo databases. Right. Uh, we call that Dynamite, and I think there's a Dynamite DB company now okay. um, building out. So there's companies that are building out of specific technologies. There's consulting companies that will help you with the whole thing. There are folks like Pivotal that are helping um, fit it into their existing uh, cloud models, but the same programming model. Yep. Just yep. a mix of everything. Yeah. So uh, last question, I'll wrap it up because you're a busy guy. We're, we're going through a lot of things. Uh, you can't go to an event these days. You know, we didn't get to see it in today's keynote, but basically every keynote I get to go to, somewhere they go, well, there's Uber, there's Airbnb, there's Netflix, there's these companies that are going to come along and sort of digitally disrupt you. Um, 
if you let's say for a week you, you had to go out and consult to these people who said like well you work at netflix like what can i learn from you guys like for for the average cio or whatever like what are some of the things that you know forget about sort of business model disruption that's their own challenge to deal with but are there are there other things that you see or that you talk to people about that you go these are the basic hygiene things you could you could learn from or is it is it just once you're on the disruptor side of things it's like hey the the learning curve is so much faster i'm not sure i can explain it to you yeah i th- i think i i would put it best as be willing to make mistakes move fast break things but be able to recover quickly yeah um so being able to not get um too stagnated in what you already know and and how you're approaching it and being able to adopt to changes faster as you said this this uh just even in the container space things are still moving so fast and you know what we've done on our uh cloud platform around containers um today is probably not the right thing uh six months from now certainly not a year from now right and being able to you know be able to know that that's okay yeah and knowing that we can make that change when it when it makes sense for us uh, right. i th- i think that's really the biggest thing that you have to c- kind of build a culture around uh, and come to grips with yeah and, and i have to imagine i mean you just have to have that sense that that the world around you is going fast I, I, you know one of the things i find with a lot of companies is they kind of go well i i'm okay with like i can deal with this amount of change but that much i i didn't i just don't want to think about it and you guys have to think about it all the time i would imagine yeah and i think the model of let's just wait a few months and someone else will solve this problem for us means you're going to be disrupted yeah and that person that solves that problem for you is going to disrupt your industry and 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 that's really the thing you need to you need to be in front of as yeah. opposed to behind yeah well listen uh thank you so much for coming on great to finally have you on the show uh good luck with your talk this week and uh hopefully we'll get to see you back here in raleigh sometime soon sure thank you all right folks thanks and uh, we will have more from all things open here uh today and tomorrow and uh thanks for listening thank you for listening to the cloudcast please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows show notes videos and everything social media 